Are we, are we rolling? So we're here at Mobile World Congress, Barcelona 2023. It's day three of the show. Everybody's feeling pretty tired. Just look it's at Kelsey, really how exhausted she is. That's oh, going to be on man. camera. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty hectic. I think I think they were saying 85,000 attendees this year. Um, so way up on last year's numbers, getting back up to what it was. And lots going on. Uh, I mean, I can... I'm, I'm kind of doing the microphone job for the moment, so I can chip in later, but I'm going to ask you, Mike, first, what you think the kind of big takeaways are, are oh, yeah. of the show for you. Yeah, Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of big takeaways. This uh, uh, One interesting thing about this show is that uh, the US, a lot of the U.S. operators are not really out here in force. They are here. We've, we've, we actually got a presentation from uh, T-Mobile's Neville Ray this afternoon, who dropped a tiny little bit of news that they're going to expand their... Uh, their 5G voice service to uh, millions of more customers. Now they've been testing it, but now they're going to launch it on a wide scale. It's called uh, uh, Voice Over NR, or V-O-N-R, which I, I think is pronounced boner. I think that's how you pronounce that word. Um, but anyway, they're expanding that service. So anyway, we've, we have a few, uh, we have some executives from the U.S. operators, but not a real big U.S. contingent yeah. here at this show. Um, but. While I've been here, I've been covering a lot of the hyperscalers. That's where I've been spending a lot of my time. So I met with uh, with uh, Google and um, uh, talked to Amazon, and you interviewed uh, the folks over at Microsoft. And so they, they are out in force at this show, and it's pretty interesting to watch them just plow into this industry. This is this is a big one for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. It's uh, they're much more noticeable this year than they were last year, and and certainly in the years before that. And um, yeah, at the same time, we hear certainly the European telcos expressing quite a lot of concern about being locked into public cloud solutions, about becoming overly reliant on certain players, and yet, and yet we see technologies increasingly that making their way into telco networks that come from the hyperscalers, and it just sounds like there's this. I know there's a few efforts going on to try and do something about that at the European level. I mean, you probably don't even know about it in the US because it's so small scale. But there's something called Silver, which is like a I mean, the big, the big five European operators, they always like getting together and doing some kind of association to, to try and prevent lock-in. And this is their attempt to basically try and pre prevent not just public cloud, but being locked to, it could be a, a VMware or a Red Hat platform to try and have portability, I guess, of, of software and, and make that easier. But, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder where, where we're going to be in five, six, seven years' time with the hyperscale is moving this fast into into telecom. It certainly I, I, feels a little inevitable to some degree now, but you know we'll see how fast it goes. It's it's, fa it's moving a lot faster than I thought it would two years ago. That's for sure. Yeah. And were AWS and Google? I mean, did you sense their pitches quite similar to Microsoft's in terms of expanding what you can do on there? I mean, the Microsoft one for me a, a big takeaway, and I, I did write a bit in my intro about things like Chat GPT, but a big takeaway was then kind of positioning themselves more to do stuff on-premises, you know, and, and have the same platform running over uh, a public and an on-premises environment, and, and then even put things like RAN functions into that on-premises environment. And Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm actually in the middle of writing a story right now about, about how each of the cloud providers is positioning itself, and they're, they're, they each are slightly different in how they're talking about the industry and the, and the, the benefits of their platform, and so for example, Google said, uh, we don't do network functions. We don't make any network functions. And so that means that we can be independent from that and you don't have to worry about us encroaching on that part of the industry and basically threatening you. Uh, their, their message is like, we are safe 
for operators because we have no network functions, whereas Microsoft does have network functions. They acquired uh, MetaSwitch and Affirmed, and so they sell network functions. They sell those network functions, and Google says that they don't do that. But what's interesting is that I talked to the guys over at Oracle, which is actually another big cloud vendor. They have a lot of business, and they said, actually, it's better if you sell your own network functions because then you know how that works, and you can design your cloud to run your own network functions as well as those from others and you have basically more industry knowledge about how to do this right. So like there's a lot of like movement between all the cloud guys. You know, we're better, no we're better, we're better because of this, no we're better because of that. So yeah, that, that designing your functions to work well on your, I mean, it's curious because that's almost one of the things Silver's trying to address. I, I chatted to the Orange CTO and he's saying, at the moment you get these network functions from vendors and they'll work this way in a particular cloud environment and then it needs to be tweaked or redesigned for another cloud environment. And that's one of the things that makes it hard is to move things across or, but this with, I mean, I bet the MetaSwitch and Affirm stuff probably works brilliantly on Microsoft's uh, sure a, platform, yeah. but you know, how, how do other things sort of fit onto it as well? Kelsey, sorry, I've been uh, leaving you just yeah, you standing there, but um, how about you? What, have you? what have you been up to at the show and what are your, uh, what are your kind of takeaways uh, from, yeah. from this year? Well, I met with AWS too. I have my own mic. I don't need your mic. Oh, you got a mic, okay, right. <laughs> We're getting to the sassy portion of the show, in case anyone was wondering. This is the part I was waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I'm very tired. Uh, but met with AWS and saw a cool uh, use case that they have with uh, Telefonica about computer vision. So they were taking little Pokemon stuffed animals and showing how the computer vision determines which bit to sort them into on the conveyor belt. So we even tested it by just like putting a phone there and it, it didn't do anything. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of cute yeah. use case. Um, also talked with Arcus, their virtualized routing and switching company, and they recently got 50 million in funding. Um, so they're going to use that to scale up their platforms um, and help uh, service providers just be more efficient and programmable. Um, within their networks. Um, also met with AT&T and Verizon about some of their IoT use cases, particularly in the automotive space, since a lot of cars are basically computers now. Um, but it, it was interesting. I did have a, a chat with NTT, and they're narrowing down their focus uh, for private 5G to um, three main areas. Uh, so. Um, logistics being one, automotive, and I'm blanking on the third, but. <laughs> remote surgery, that's definitely it. Yeah, not remote yeah, surgery. Not um, so they're doing some pilots in healthcare, uh, but they said that's kind of a challenging industry. So, um, you know, there was a lot of buzz ahead of the show about private uh, networks, but it's, it's interesting to see where they're really uh, actually putting their focus because the manufacturing industry tends to move a little bit slower than I think the service providers had hoped. Um, so they're having to kind of rethink that approach. Yeah, what, what, one of my other takeaways actually, and, and you wrote about this, Mike, as well, is the the uh, API side of things, which everybody seems to be talking about APIs all of a sudden. And um, I've, I've read, you've written something on it, I've written a couple of things on it. Ericsson actually got in touch with me because it annoyed Vonage. I seem to be quite good at annoying people this week. But uh, they, so uh, one of the things I've done today is having, I mean, it's actually really good to have a proper in-depth meeting with the guys from Vonage trying to explain to me exactly how all this stuff works. I mean, I, I have reams of notes from the meeting and I'm probably going to go over them and get confused again and have to get in, in touch with them. Did but I think I have a slightly out? better... I don't think I have... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I can sort of see what they're trying to do, that you have this platform that the... that there's a, there'll be a Vonage platform 
that um, their developers write for, or the developer community that is, not people who are actually working directly for Vonage. And the network APIs are exposed into that. So you can take advantage of network features, basically, like location and um, tweak latency and do things like this and just make an application a lot more uh, a lot more functional for a particular environment. And then the idea is the monetization, and, and Vonage says they've already done this with things like two-factor authentication, is that the, you know, the company with the developers will pay, you know, for, they'll basically pay for better quality yeah. sort of service. Now, now, whether that's, I don't know how that's going to play out in a kind of 5G enterprise setting, because there's, there's a huge amount of skepticism about the kind of ability to, to monetize it, but you'd have shared revenues with the CSPs, basically. That's the idea. Is, did, is, was that the story that they had when they first acquired? Was that the story that they had when they first acquired Vonage, or is this is this the new story of now now that they have? That was the story when they that first acquired Vonage. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I was curious with Open Gateway how that affects it because it, as I said, it almost sounds like they're treading on your toes, and some of this stuff's the same. And uh, and they're they're saying, well, no, not really. It actually makes things better for us. You know, we want more of this stuff to be done. Um, you know, the, 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 the more interest there is in doing this. Now, clearly, you've got Microsoft and AWS very heavily involved there as competing platforms, potentially. Um, but their broad takeaways, it's, well, it's, it's a horrible cliche, but, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And, you know, the idea is that if, if, you, can, if you can have operators actually seeing monetization coming from this, it wouldn't even need to be a direct revenue thing for... They, they want that the, the, main, the main thing for them ideal is actually having the operators making more money because if they make more money then a lot of these other arguments we're hearing at this show from the European side in particular about we can't afford to invest in 5g anymore um, start to go away perhaps and they, they need to think about what's going to happen in the late 2020s uh, talking to some of the other uh, CTO types at the show and they don't want to go through another big spending cycle when 6G comes along. That's one that, that, that was a, a story I wrote earlier, yeah. just based on chatting to BT. They, the idea of 6G being this nationwide rollout of expensive radio equipment, six or seven years, less than that after they finish doing standalone, it'll be even less than that. It's just, I mean, Howard Watson said, we are not doing that. So, so they have to think about him saying things like that, you know, and what that means for them, potentially. So it's, it, it's not even, is Vonage making money? I think it's more about get the operators to make cash and then that, and then, they and, then and then they can spend money. Then they, then these capex worries they've got start to go away a little bit. And I, I can I can kind of see that it's um, it's it's not it's not that outrageous. I but. mean, at least they have some plan, but it sounds like a that doesn't sound very easy. Not not an easy plan to implement. No. Yeah. And uh, and then my other takeaway is this event has got worse for the press. I think. Um, oh, the I, I, was the, I, I, and, uh, you know, the GS, <laughs> I don't know whether the GSMA doesn't really care about the press. They offer, they obviously, as, as events to, do, like, allow us to come here. Kind of air on because there was no, there's not even like airflow in the press room. I'm like, we don't, we don't get air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the room upstairs where it used to be, which is is quite big, there's enough room usually to, for people to sit down, has been turned into a ministerial area, and there's a, a, a place that's hard to get to from Hall Three that must have about 50 desks. And it's like, you know, you get the press along. This is a press event as much as it is a meet yeah. customers event. And yet there's not much sort of interest in making it easy for them. So am I getting quieter? With, with the, there's not much interest in making it easy for journalists to actually write stories. So uh, do a better job, GSMA.
Yeah. <laughs> you just need to like water, uh, you know, we're like plants, water, sunlight. We're happy. Um, and air. A little, a little bit of beer. Yeah. Maybe a keg in there would go a long way toward fixing the situation. Yeah. Just a suggestion. Yeah. We, we, we can address that later. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess we'll see you again next year.